This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Towns. Uh, as always, I'm one of your three hosts, Liam Connolly, and joining me on the call this evening, we've got your second co-host, Ross Duffy. So Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. What about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, but a good weekend, weren't it? M- McLaren won two, Dolphins winning. Can't ask much more really, can you? Um, well, you can. Well, Ravens winning, but you know. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I only get teased, OT. Mate, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, and joining us also is uh, Joe Freeze, our third host. Joe, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. Uh, back to the ground this week, and uh, yeah, kind of play. Yeah, definitely. And um, obviously, it was a nice going into the week, winning another home game, second clean sheet in a row at home, beating Pompey one nil. Um, it was probably our most testing game of the season so far, I suppose. Obviously, we heard a lot about Pompey in terms of their defence being really solid, the best in the league in terms of goals and seeded. And, you know, they mentioned also about the high press. So, he thought, okay, right, we struggled in the press last season, on the most part anyway. Um, but, you know, I think I think ultimately it was, the, well, from my opinion, anyway, the best the best performance we've seen this season in terms of how we played and the result we got. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ross, what are your general thoughts uh, coming out of that game on Saturday, uh, maintaining a pretty good record at home. I think the most pleasing aspect of it was the fact that obviously, um, I think before the game there was a bit of few doubts that Pompey were um, were going to actually beat us in this sort of game. But once again, I think it goes to show that our home form is very strong, and it'll be. I think it's reflection um, last season we were quite str- uh, hard to beat at home also. So. Um, I think all these big teams, they've got to fight for these three points, um, especially when they come to Stadium MK. But if we go on the performance, the thing what pleased me the most was there was an element of um, control to the game. I felt first half, we we I think in previous pods, we've said we're pretty much a second half team. But first half, I felt we were 
especially at the back, very direct with the passes. There wasn't many stray ones. Um, it was very crisp um, and transition into attack. It was very smooth. And I felt we were very much the better team in the first half. And we should have been two or three up if it weren't for their goalkeeper pulling off some wonder saves. Um, but yeah, I just want in, in, especially in the first half, I felt Boateng was unbelievable. He was, every time he got the ball, he was forward thinking. He was thinking, what's next? It wasn't really, it's not a negative going backwards, but I like a player who's forward thinking. Um, and he was unlucky not to get his goal. Obviously, it coming off both posts. Um, yeah, I, I personally think Boateng, I know it's a bit of a spoiler for my uh, lineup later on. I, th I think he deserves another start. Um, and yeah, I think he's, he was one of the standouts alongside Troy Parrott. Yet again, Troy Parrott proves why he's starting at the moment. He's, he's got so many attributes in his game at the moment, which pleases all of those Dons fans. And it's not just about scoring goals. It's how he brings others into play and how he makes the ball stick at his feet, especially. And it just goes to show, look at the court, um, the goal we scored. He does, I think he beats about two men. And then he does a, a lovely through ball to Twiney and then Twiney to Robson. And I think that just sums up our day at the moment, um, sums up the game at the moment. And yeah, I'm really pleased with the three points and um, let's hope it continues this weekend. Yeah, I think I pretty much echo everything you say there regarding the individuals and the performance overall. It was uh, it's very pleasing on the eye in some senses. Um, and yeah, I was, I was really impressed with it. And Joe, I'm sure you were the same in terms of the performance overall. Yeah, I definitely think it was probably one of our, our, our most complete performance of the season. I think it had a bit of everything. Um, I think we came out the blocks like anything. And this is a guy we mentioned, you know, you, you guys highlighted it in the... Um, in the preview that this Gavin Bazunu, he's well, he's not a League One goalkeeper, plain and simple, and he won't be in the league next season, that's for sure. Um, and he was the one that kept him in it. And I, I actually have to disagree with Ross a little bit here. I thought I thought Boateng, I don't, I don't think he did great to be honest. And I think if you look at the second half, as soon as we brought him off, that's when Pompey's spell of dominance ended because Pompey really started piling the pressure on the start of the second half. Um, but we, we saw it out quite well. Um, but just aside from our attacking threat, which, we, you know, I think we've spoke about a lot, you know, Scott Twine, Dan Harvey running down the wing, um, and, and obviously Matt O'Reilly controlling things in the middle. I think one thing that I was really good to see was that we were, and it was something that Liam Mallon said in his post-match uh, interview, was that we need to be happy to play without the ball. And that we need to be able to play without the ball. And it's a weird one where you're in control, but the other team have the ball. And I think a lot of times last season, teams did that to us. Where, yeah, they, they were like, yeah, we'll let them have the ball. But just in certain areas. And when they get into those areas, then we'll close them down and we'll counter-attack. And, you know, our goal, again, comes from a turnover in possession. It comes from their corner. And I think the, the club highlighted it. He, he ran 95 yards in 15 seconds or something ridiculous like that. So it just shows you, you know, the determination of these lads. And that was in the, you know, that was in like the 70th minute. So it wasn't as if it was, you know, 10 minutes in. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it had a bit of everything. We, we dug in when we needed to, but we had that quality in the end. And, you know, if it wasn't for some 
you know, Championship or Premier League quality in the Portsmouth goal, I think it would have been game over uh, far, far quicker um, than it was. Um, I think especially the first half an hour, that, the way we were playing around their, around their defence, it was, it was just, yeah, some of the, you know, as soon as we got past their initial press, we were in and we looked so dangerous. So, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, you mentioned about how we were breaking down their press and that was one of the first things you wanted to talk about because, you know, we're heavily previewed in our in our version of the podcast with Andy. Um, in terms of numbers-wise, they're very high and it, it was always going to be a key topic of conversation. So, Ross, how do you think we played around the Pompey press and do you reckon some teams will look at how we did it uh, into future games going against Pompey this season? Um, I, Yeah, again... I was impressed by it. Um, I think it actually suits us to a T, really, because of obviously against Cheltenham, we saw that, uh, that obviously they sat in the block, and it's, I think it was just a bit too tight for like, the likes of Twine and Boateng and um, O'Reilly to work their magic. And I, I just feel with there being a bit of space, we know what O'Reilly can do on the ball. He can ping a ball, he can distribute it very well, and I think it just suits us, as I say, to a T, really. With how much space is in the middle of the park, and I think we, I think that's shown, especially in that first half. The reason why we're getting shots off because we're we're having time, and that wasn't out of poor defending because we we were working that out into them positions. So I, yeah, I was I was really pleased with it, and I think the reason why that worked so well was, and you've got to give credit to the back three, because of obviously it takes bravery to play like that, especially. And um, yeah, if if there's one stray pass, they're they're through on goal, really. And I think um, we take it for granted sometimes, especially um, with how comfortable they look at the back. And yeah, I'm yeah I'm really pleased with how we played. Yeah, I think well, further back three, I think the midfield three of O'Reilly, Robson, and I suppose it it was a mix of Boateng and Twine realistically. Uh, so maybe it's midfield four, but. I'll say the three because I think those three were the real reason we won the game because um, they had to control that midfield completely. And, you know, you can look at the numbers in terms of how hard they had to fight, especially O'Reilly and uh, Twyla in terms of actually winning their 50-50s on the ground and actually getting retained and control of the football. I think that's what won us the game. Um, and it gave us the opportunities, like you mentioned with Troy, in terms of how he set up O'Reilly and then squared it to Robson, funnily enough, for the goal. I think those midfield three were absolutely terrific in terms of a trio. Um, and I don't know what you think, Joe, but from my opinion personally, they won us the game on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And just as you were saying there about how, especially, you know, Matt, uh, Ethan and Scott Twine, I was just having a little look here. And um, Matt O'Reilly, we talk so much about how good Matt O'Reilly is with the ball. Uh, Matt O'Reilly, he had a five attempted dribble uh, he had eight attempted dribbles completed five he won eight out of 13 ground duels two tackles and two interceptions you then got Ethan Robson who contested in eight ground duels winning three of them two interceptions one clearance one block and then Scott Twine who's you know practically played was playing up front with um, Troy Parrott at times he contested in 10 duels winning seven of them and uh, he made three tackles and, and made a clearance himself. So I think that just shows you that that's the industry of our team. And when those are the players that win in it back, 
it's all of a sudden it's one it's probably going to be closer to the opponent's goal and two they're the ones that have got the quality to turn defence into attack in an instant I mean Scott Twine he set up a third of our shots he set up five out of our 14 shots on on um, on uh, Saturday including the goal and I think him and um, Troy Parrott towards the end they got in some really good positions on the break and I think that was just a maybe a bit of rustiness or maybe after they worked so hard to get there, they were just absolutely knackered. But, um, you know, th- th- we got into quite a few situations where, you know, the be- the better uh, end product could have um, resulted in an even more flattering scoreline. And I think the XG itself was around a 2.0 to about 0.6, 0.7. So I think that clearly shows that we were quite unlucky to just get the one goal. And, you know, Portsmouth probably didn't do enough to create. And even in the two or three times that they did... I thought Fish dealt with it uh, magnificently. He made two really good saves and then he was always just um, ready to come for crosses into the box because there's a few dangerous ones as well. So, yeah, I think um, that midfield three, um, it's just the pressing, the, the tackling, but then they've also got the quality to then flip that defence into attack in an instance. Yeah, and we, we, we kind of, it's weird because we kind of, we don't say we predicted the game to a T, but we kind of, talk about all the things that happened really in the game you know Pompey and two of us going up top how you know the midfield really were the key to actually getting that result and you know and yeah it was just it's worked really well um and I think obviously well obviously the key difference from the lineup at Cheltenham and Pompey was Troy Parrott returning up front and us actually in a sense sticking with Troy Parrott on his own up front really I don't think you you can't really class Twine and and or Boateng as a striker in that sort of system. I don't think they really were, to be honest. And of course, Hiram got hooked off pretty early, probably because he was just tired. Um, but yeah, Troy Parrott was is that perfect striker for that one that one striker formation. If we're going to go for it, um, go on, Joe. Yeah, I just want to. I know I said about Boateng earlier. I don't necessarily think he played bad. I just think he was almost quiet compared to the other midfielders. I think he he, he only, because when he did have the ball, we did see some flashes of brilliance. But for me, I just wanted him to get in the game a bit more. And there was a couple of times where the ball, you know, it would, there'd be a 50-50 in the middle of the park and the ball would just square out to him. And he just maybe wasn't ready or his first touch wasn't quite there. But then when he actually got on the ball, we saw the quality in an, in, you know, it, it, when he beat his man and hit the post, it, it, we saw the quality. I just wanted him to be a bit more involved. So I, I listed about how the other midfielders they were all involved in at least I think it was eight ten and thirteen jewels and comparatively here I'm only contested three so I think that just shows maybe that whilst Haram had some moments of quality he wasn't maybe right in the thick of it along with the others yeah and I think um I think Haram was mostly there for the supply to Troy and a bit of assistance because literally literally Troy did everything on Saturday up front you look at his heat map, it's literally all over the place. It's from one moment, it's in our own 18-yard box, next minute, it's on their 18-yard box. So, you know, he, he was literally everywhere. And, you know, the goal... the goal don't kind do of, it justice. Yeah, exactly. And and the uh, and the goal, I think, really summed up his performance. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was terrific. And I think if we are going to continue with that one-track formation, it has to be with Troy. I don't think anyone else in the squad can really compete with that. Of course, the only one we really think is Jay Bird, but he just didn't seem to get any minutes at all um, at the moment because of the quality we've got in the squad. Um, but yeah, Ross, I mean, me and me and Joe waxed lyrical on Troy Parrott and um, you did it briefly. So I'll give you the opportunity to do it again. 
the thing is, he doesn't just do the, do it for club. Um, I was looking at his heat map against um, it was international international duty. Um, I can't remember what game it was, and it was all uh-huh. all over the pitch for them. So he's willing to bust his ass against for Ireland. Yeah, Azerbaijan. he was willing to bust his ass for, for for the team at the end of the day, and I think it's reflection to um, why we, as you say, Liam, why we got the three points on Saturday, and I think especially I know I mentioned it briefly earlier. I think what pleases me the most about Troy is is how he brings others into play and the connection and partnership he's getting with Twiney now is really pleasing and promising because obviously Twine, yes, someone's got to be on the end of them balls with what he puts through the channels or someone's got to be, someone, someone's got to hold up the ball for him to make the run, etc. So yeah, Troy's been magnificent and I know... Um, People, some some club, his previous clubs fans didn't rate him, but that's because he was getting played out out of position. He was getting played out on the wing, and Troy Parrott out on the wing—that's just a waste in my eyes. Um, you can tell he's a typical centre forward or a striker who um, is willing to um, put the ball in the back of the net, and I think uh, Saturday shows that for sure. Yeah, most definitely, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit in my sort of brief words on the game, but. I did consider Saturday as our most complete performance of the season. And I was just wondering if you boys agreed with me. I mean, Joe, do you think it was the best performance of the season or do you think there was another game where we can't, that kind of topped it off better than that one? Yeah, I think the only thing missing from this, I'd say, was the fact that we didn't actually take a lot of those chances which we did create. Because as I've said, there was a few times, especially in the second, well, first half, we we, we saw those saves. For, uh, you know, we saw the saves, we hit the woodwork. And then second half, there's quite a few instances where Troy Parrott and Scott Twine were basically two on two. And some, I think there was a couple where that just really weak shots we let off. And there was a couple where we a lot of the, where we just actually didn't, it didn't result in the shot. So I think, um, you know, that we got into some really good positions. It's just about now converting those positions into and being clinical and ruthless. But you're not going to come up against that sort of calibre of goalkeeper every week, thankfully. Um, I think it, on his um, like goals prevented stats, it's absolutely ridiculous. So it's no wonder that they've got they well, they will have one of the best defenses in the league this season. Um, and I think defensively, you know, as as I mentioned before, just, just gloss over it again. But Liam Manning said we we need to be comfortable without the ball. And you could tell that when we didn't have the ball, you know, I didn't even realise, but actually Portsmouth had more possession than us on Saturday, but it didn't really feel like it because they didn't do much with it. And, you know, watching the game, I'd say, oh, yeah, we probably, you know, maybe 55% or something. But no, they actually had more possession. But look at the difference in what we did when we had the possession. And it wasn't a matter of, um, you know, playing it long or anything like that. We were playing really good football when we got the ball, but we were more than happy to just let the other team have it. And I think um, Liam Manning was saying about how, you know, you, you make it really compact in the middle and you force them wide and they were putting balls in. And Fish was, you know, Fish was being Fish and he was just coming in and claiming the balls. I think he had three high claims and he made two saves from the only two shots on target. So, you know, the defence was brilliant and especially at playing out from the back. I thought we have seen a couple of shaky moments, especially at Cheltenham in that first half an hour um, in terms of playing out from the back. But I thought that, you know, that that uh, was and um, and Harry Darling especially really, really looked... It was just sharp. Like, it's so crisp. One-touch passing. 
and uh, yeah, re- really good to see, and hopefully same again on uh, Saturday. Yeah, uh, and the big issue heading into Saturday is the potential return of Moisa. Now that might not may seem an issue to many people, but we've got to think of it from Lee Man's perspective in terms of how he's actually picked this team. Because I know Jonathan Bennington actually asked us this question during the week in terms of, you know, when Isa and Kaz do eventually come back to this team, where do they actually go? Because the squad's playing so well, it's going to be very, very harsh to drop anyone. Now, I think the case of Mavisa is a lot easier than David Kasumi because Mavisa had a solidified role in that team. And of course, he was scoring goals. So he's going to get in the team. Um, even with the return of Max Waters, who, you know, Good to see him on Saturday get onto the pitch, and you know, hopefully, we'll get to see him a bit more on against Gillingham on Saturday. But where, where do you, besides it's mostly Kasumi, where do you see Kasumi fitting into this team, Ross? I mean, can you really drop McKechnie, sorry, uh, not McKechnie, um, Robson O'Reilly over for, to bring Kaz back in? Can you do that? Um, it's, it's a difficult one because obviously, Kasumi, from what we saw of him, especially under Russ. Uh, he was an absolute joke, and yeah, fair play to Ethan Robson. He stepped in, and he's he's really proven his worth, and you can understand why um, Blackpool have him. But I just feel with Kasumu, um, Kasumu's Kasumu. We know how much ground he covers, and that's no disrespect to Ethan Robson. Um, and maybe that's a thing to like freshen up in the middle of the park, um, especially if we're playing Tuesday and Saturday. Maybe start Kasumu on the Saturday and then Ethan Robson midweek. I, I wouldn't say no to it, but I just wanted to touch on um, Isa. Um, again, you can't drop him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't I don't care how good we look looked with um on Saturday. Isa's fucking we, we paid we paid the money for him. So why why not start him? That that's my gist of it. And um I think obviously with someone with that potent in front of goal, you're you're crazy not to start him if you if you get me. Yeah, no, completely. I, I say I agree with Sanson Isa. Um, and I think it, I think it's fairly concrete that he will get back into the team when he is back. And I'm hoping that is Saturday. So hopefully we get some good news from Liam Manning on Friday regarding that. But Joe, I am interested to hear of you on Kaz because it, it's, it's a lot harder a situation to deal with. And obviously we know his quality, but the team's playing so well at the moment. It, it seems quite hard to drop anyone from that midfield at the moment. I mean, yeah, it might seem harsh, but Cass is one of the best midfielders in the league. Ethan Robson is a very good midfielder, but Cass is the one, well, for starters, he's our own player. Um, and, and, and two, he, he's, you know, just because we've got someone good in there doesn't mean we can't get someone great in there. And I think that's the great thing to have. And also there's different games that are going to need different things. I think there's going to be some games where McEachern might be the perfect player to start because you you can have a lot of the ball and you're going to need that quick uh, the quick switches and things like that. But there's going to be some games where they're stretched and Cass's, you know, I, I think for me it's Cass and O'Reilly in that middle. Like just no debates, that's that's it for me. And uh, at the top of the pitch, in terms of uh, Mo Isa, for me it's Mo and Troy. It's their their spots to lose. And I think if any if anyone, Max Waters. Maybe him and Troy rotate a bit, um, because I think they're not not similar. They're kind of similar in that I think they'll be doing a lot of the running, whereas Mo's going to be doing a lot of the not poaching, but the the finishing, the touch of class, the the you know the polishing it off. And I think 
that that's why a lot of these strikers they complement each other so well because they've all got such unique skill sets. Um, and I think as well with Max Waters, he, he offers a good threat in behind. Quite a few of the goals that he scored were, you know, on the last, um, what's it, on, on the shoulder of the last defender. There you go. Um, and and um, it, and that's something which you know my wife likes to do as well. And so it's just it's problems for defenses. Um, so yeah, for me, Max Waters, uh, my wife goes straight back in alongside Troy. But you know, Max Waters, he's he's got to stake his claim. Yeah, I'm sure he will, and I hope he does for my uh, sake. I've got over Ross uh, quite a few beers, which uh, I'd rather I'd rather not. Uh, and I've already got this disadvantage heading into the season, so not a good start. Um, but yeah, no, this that midfield would be incredible, wouldn't it? Kaza, Riley, and Twine. That, I mean, if that's the best field in the league, then I'd love to see the field that actually is the best field in the league because that'd be that'd be pretty incredible to be honest to watch. And even if it is, even if it is for just a few months, which I hope it is, and I hope it's longer than that. Um, okay, well, that nicely wraps up our review of the Pompey game. Uh, before we move on to Gillingham, just want to say, obviously, got a big game coming up at home soon against AC Wimbledon. Uh, you know, it's, it's a high anticipated game, everyone gets really geared up for it. And you know, we really, really need your support and the stands this season. Um, you know, it's, it, it feels like a long time away, it's really not. Um, it's, we've, got, we've got two home games, I think, before it Wickham and Fleetwood. Um, but yeah, listen. Make sure you get into block eleven. Make sure you get into the cow shed. Uh, back the boys home and away as always. And um, yeah, once tickets go on sale, we'll push it heavily and make sure you get into the cow shed and support the boys. Okay, we'll take a little short break as mentioned, and then yeah, we'll get into our Gillingham preview. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub One Hundred. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Back on the road for Dons on Saturday, and uh, this time it's off to the infamous Gillingham, uh, which, you know, great for bogey team for the Dons in terms of how we played there previously, so I'm glad we're getting this game out of the way with early on in the season, pretty much. Um but, you know, this time we've got a opportunity to have guest on. Uh, fortunately, can't join us live, but we got them sending an audio clip. Uh, so Matt from Jill's and Bullock to take it away with his thoughts on Gillingham this season so far. The Jill season so far has, has unfortunately been a bit of a mixed bag due to a number of factors. We missed a lot of pre-season because of covid it meant that the whole squad had to isolate for 10 days. Then unfortunately after that, we had a few that tested positive. So they missed a further 10 days. We've then had to rush them back through the end of pre-season despite missing friendly. So then they've picked up niggly injuries. We've barely seen the likes of Alex McDonald, Robbie McKenzie, John Akindi up until the last couple of weeks. So everyone's effectively playing catch-up, but playing catch-up on the job and having to get their match fitness in league games, which is never ideal for any side. And I'm not for one minute saying we're the only club up and down the country that's suffering the same way, but, it, but it's frustrating. And uh, there's only been two wins in 90 minutes in all competitions. But to counter that, there's only been two defeats in 90 minutes in all competition. So it's not been a disaster. Um, and we've certainly been some way from our best in terms of fitness levels and performance levels. So the positive is that we have only lost twice in nine games in all competitions, despite being some way away from full capacity. And with those players now returning from injury and returning to full fitness, the hope is that we can start kicking on. Certainly the two performances since the international break where our game against Charlton was called off 
um, have been certainly more like Gillingham performances, more like Steve Evans' team performances. And um, yeah, I'm pretty hopeful that now moving forward, we'll be certainly more competitive and we'll start picking up more points and climbing the League One table pretty quickly. If you go back through the games that we have played in a little bit more detail, uh, Lincoln opening day of the season, we started really bright, then got caught by a sucker punch early on. Um, but from the equaliser, uh, we was probably the better side and deserved to win the game second period. For Dale Oliver missed a good chance. Again, if he'd been further along with his fitness after missing part of the summer, then he'd have probably tucked it away. But he didn't. We settled for a point. We then went to Crawley and won a game in the uh, League Cup on penalties. 10-9, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, was decent for 45 minutes at Plymouth. But then, unfortunately, the legs went and second half we didn't turn up and we dropped too deep and we invited them on. But still, we were only two minutes away from keeping a clean sheet and picking up a valuable point. But we didn't. Luke Jeff got smashed one in the bottom corner in the last minute and uh, we went home with our tails between our legs. Uh, the following Tuesday, we had to go to Wimbledon and we were absolutely shocking for 90 minutes. I went, it was a new ground. Plough Lane's nice uh, performance was anything but. Uh, but credit... To everybody involved, we were down to 10 men. David Tatonda, who hasn't started the season brilliantly, was um, was sent off for two yellow cards. But we dug in and it was an 18-year-old right back. Uh, Harvey Lintot, who shot, took a deflection off their centre-back, Paul Callumby, I think it was. And it took ages to go over the keeper. But yeah, there was Bedlam in the away end that night. But I think that was more relief and realising that we'd got away with one. Uh, best performance for me probably this season was Morecambe at home. They're a good side. I don't think they'll have any troubles in terms of relegation from what I've seen of them and what I've, um, in terms of live football for 90 minutes against us and what's I've, what I've watched on the telly and, and having spoken to Morecambe fans, I'm very bullish about their, their chances of avoiding the drop, which would be great to see. Uh, but we were decent against them. We kept them at arm's length generally. Um, sloppy goal to concede after taking the lead. Um, but second half, we were much the better side and we were the ones doing all the pushing, I think. And although it came from the spot, the winner, um, it was thoroughly deserved, in my opinion. And it, it got for Dane Oliver up and running for the season as well, which was another bonus because he was our top scorer last year. Um, Cheltenham was the next one and we lost on penalties. Again, we started bright. We were very good for half hour, 40 minutes. Um, but again, conceded a sloppy goal. Um, Shrewsbury was the very definition of a game of two halves. We we were brave and, and slightly different in our setup. We went with a, a back three, back five, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, Ryan Jackson was very good at right wing back. He was providing us with an outlet. He was providing us with whip and pace high up the pitch, which is something that we've lacked throughout the season so far because of these injury problems. But unfortunately, Jacko took a shot in the 40th minute and, and, and pulled a thigh or a quad or something like that. We've not seen him since and... All the impetus that we had was sucked out of us. We had to drop off. Um, we stopped pressing them back. The outlet went and we just and we just didn't get out second half. They scored two very decent finishes and credit to Shrewsbury because they'd not scored a goal up until that point. But you can't help but feel that if this was a Gillingham side that was fully fit, we'd have, we'd have gone on and maybe scored a second. And, and if not, we'd have certainly held on it and taken something from the game. Um, obviously, that was the afternoon where... There was handbags at the end and red cards galore. Um, and that was our last game before the international break because Charlton had three international call-ups. So we, we got that break at the right time. I think it was very crucial for us to be able to get the players back on the training ground, get the likes of Akindi, McDonald, McKenzie to Tonda, uh, back up to full speed. Dane Oliver had been suffering with a twisted ankle that he'd uh, done in the first half against Cheltenham. 
shouldn't have been anywhere near the squad, let alone the starting eleven at Shrewsbury. But but he was brave and got through it and did a job to the best of his ability that you can do when you're, you're effectively on one leg. But since then, like I said, there's been two performances. One in the much maligned um, pizza trophy. We went to Colchester and were probably stronger than I thought. We had our first choice centre-back pairing out that day of Jack Tucker and uh, Max Amar. Aaron Chapman was very solid in goal and he's, he's been decent and he was the, the first keeper to pick up a clean sheet for us this season on the evening as we won 1-0. We had to wait till the, the very end of the game and it was Mustafa Cario who came on and changed the game. I think he was on about 10 minutes and he put about three or four dangerous crosses into Colchester territory and eventually we, we got Robbie McKenzie on the end of the one and it was, it was a smart finish and it, it was certainly a game that we deserved to win. I know their manager come out and said that it was an even game up until they were forced to play with 10 men for the final 25 minutes because of an injury and having used their subs, but I totally disagree. We absolutely battered them second half. I think we completed more passes than we've done in any other half of football all season. We was we was a threat. Charlie Kelman made his debut on loan from QPR and linked up really well with other players. Um, I think he started up front with Danny Lloyd because um, we was giving for Dane Oliver a, a well-earned rest. But he was very promising and then he took that performance into the game against Burton last Saturday and that's the first time that we've seen him and Big V as a pairing and they looked to threat all game. We absolutely bashed them first half. We should have been two or three up. For Dane Oliver score with a smart finish, little um, right-footed drive into the bottom corner. Kelman was unlucky with an identical chance that drifted just wide at the post. Unfortunately, we switched off just after half-time and conceded. But it's a game that, like Shrewsbury, if that had been two or three weeks ago, we'd have probably gone on and lost it because we wouldn't have been able to sustain the fitness levels. We wouldn't have been able to make as many changes. The bench was as strong as it's been all campaign. And um, despite feeling disappointed that it was probably two points dropped, the positive, there were certainly more positives than negatives. And it was um, certainly something that we can build on moving forward. And we've obviously got... MK Dons at home this Saturday and then Charlton on Tuesday, which is two games in front of an own crowd where, fingers crossed, if we can pick up something in both of them, it'll start building a little bit of momentum, starts creating a little bit of an unbeaten run and then we go from there. Yeah, thanks again to Matt for coming on and giving his thoughts on Jill's this season. Uh, it's great to get insight from opposition fans. Um, but we're going to take, take you through our thoughts anyway of how we think of Jill's. So, um Ross, I mean, obviously we've had about was it six games now this season, six or seven games, depending on whether you played during the international break or not. Um, how do you think Jules have started the season personally? Um, it's been a very average start for them. Uh, obviously, due to I think Matt mentioned it um, with COVID and all that, they they I think they fell behind others, and I think they're starting to get a grip. Um, in recent games and I, I do feel like it's going to be a very very tough game come Saturday um, you know what you're going to get with Steve Evans long throw-ins long balls direct um, and yeah that's Steve Evan ball um, that's a harsh brunt of it um, and it's going to be a very very physical game and um, our back lines they've got to be switched on especially with Vidane Oliver up top someone who uh, knows where the net is especially from last time we went there. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not going to be pretty at times or 75 minutes or even <laughs> 80 minutes at a time. Um, and let's just hope we take our chances because of we all know it's a bogey ground and um, it's time to turn around our fortunes there, for sure. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more regarding that. It's it's I, I hate going to Gillingham. I really do. It's such a, <laughs> such a grim place to go to. Um, it's so yeah, like a chore for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of those games. But yeah, hopefully we can uh, get the three points taken back to Milton Keynes. Um, Joe, what are your sort of brief thoughts on Gillingham before we get into our lineup score predictions? Well, I'm, I've never really say this, but I'm absolutely delighted to be missing the game. <laughs> I'm going to be, I've got a little golf weekend, uh, so I'll, unfortunately I'll be uh, missing that. But I'm sure the ball will be in the air just as much during my golf trip as it will at this game because uh, Gillingham, I think they've got the, uh, the lowest average possession. They've got the uh, second lowest in terms of pass complete pass um successful pass set pass success percentage. There you go. Got there eventually. Um, and their second for aerial duels one. Um so that just gives you a, an indication as to how Steve Evans likes to play football uh, in inverted commas. Um but I mean last season it worked for them. So you can't you can't say you know you've got old hands up say fair enough. But then last season, they also had some real quality in the likes of uh, Jordan Graham and um, uh, Charlie Ogilvy. Um, I believe he's left as well. So I Is think it's a Pompey now. You know, they're, they're pretty, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, one of them's in the championship and one of them's a, a team fighting at the top end of League One. So, you know, without that, they, I think they're, you know, they're probably pretty much going to be trying the same thing, but they're going to be dropping down a, a, a notch. Um, they've only scored uh, two goals from open play this season. So it's not, you know, doesn't make too, doesn't make that pretty viewing for them. Um, they're, they're quite solid at defending set pieces and also scoring. So they've scored as many from set pieces as they have from open play. Um, so, yeah, I think we know the threat that they contain and it's not going to be pretty, but... I think Liam Manning, he, he said it again in, uh, when he, well, after the Accrington game, we need to earn the right to play at these places. And if we let Gillingham turn it into a fight, then Gillingham are going to make it very difficult for us because that's what they're good at doing. And, you know, it doesn't matter how you play football, you, you're there to play results. And, you know, more often than not, it, it, well, for Gillingham, that's the way that they, they do it and they do get some success from it. So, you know, fair, fair enough. And, um, we just got to make sure that we're playing football how we want to play it and not being dragged into what Gillingham wants to do. Very much like the acting game, really, isn't it? It's all about that first goal. We get that Definitely. first goal in the first half. Three points are ours, I think. We get to lineups, boys. Um, let's take a quick guess on how much possession we'll have in terms of a number. Obviously, Joe, you mentioned how they have, I think it's the lowest average possession in the whole league or second lowest, whatever it was. I'm going to say we're going to have on the day 65% possession of the football. Ross, what do you 67. reckon? 67. Oh, there you go. Joe, 67, 67 for me. Sorry, I wanted oh. to get in there before Ross got, Ross got, got his guess in. So, yep, um, 67. Well, it was around the 67 mark for Cheltenham as well, wasn't it? Um, it's, it's a tough one because obviously we know, we know we're going to have a lot of ball. It's just... How long is it going to be out for throwing, or how long is it going to be a free kick to them? And um, I'll, I'll I'll go for sixty eight possession possession then. Okay then. <laughs> no one, I thought you were going to go sixty six to be honest, Ross, to make it sixty five, six, six, sixty seven. But you know, sixty eight, fair no, enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what date we played them last season? Um, March second. Was it? Twenty twenty. Yeah, March March second. 
Yeah, so three pretty close guesses there for in terms of possession. Um, Joe, how much possession did we have last time went to Chillingham? Um, I've I've just been frantically trying to find this game. Um, we had seventy nine percent possession. You'll remember <sighs> this as the famous game uh, of the Will Grigg goal, um, the one where the British um, record. We, we had yes, the British record. Um, and that was oh, I can't remember their goals. Did they get two penalties or was it one? No, one penalty. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I just, I can't believe we lost that game. But yeah, that that just shows you. I think that's just a, a portion of some of the frustrations we could face if we don't take our chances. But more importantly, if we don't deal with their threat because they are a dangerous team. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And um, as always, we've done our fan herb lineups to try and work out how we're going to prevent that. Uh, you know the drill regarding fan herb. Get on the app, do your lineups, check in at the stadium, and get your way at the leaderboards, and hopefully win yourself some Don tickets for the end of the month heading into October. Uh, so, Joe, as you're you know quite keen on the possession stats today, um, go with your lineup first, mate. Right. So I've gone for fishing goal. I think you know self-explanatory. Um, I've gone for Warren O'Hara, Harry Darling, and Dean Lewington. All decent in the air. Um, all good. Good on the good on the ball. Um, I've got Kyoso coming back in. I think Kyoso, uh, we saw against against us when he was playing for Northampton last season. He scored a header. He's good in the box. And we saw last week defending the set piece at Cheltenham. You know, he, he was brilliant. So I think he's going to be a presence which we'll need in the box because, you know, as I mentioned before, we'll, we'll be coming under threat in these set pieces. Uh, you've got Daniel Harvey, uh, just, yeah, just uh, nailed on for me. Uh, Matt O'Reilly and Ethan Robson in the middle. Uh, Scott Twine in behind. And I've gone with Max Waters and Troy Parrott up front. Oh, Max Waters. Interesting. I'll tell you what, I'd love to see I Max don't Waters want to be hearing in. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ross, I'm assuming based off that uh, expression, your team's a bit different to Joe's. Yeah, slightly different. Um, it's just for the one change from Saturday. Um an eye out for Kyoso. I just feel at, same as Joe Kyoso aerially is a lot more better than Tanai Watson. I just feel Tanai Watson. Um, I think the reason why obviously he was brought brought in, especially against, um, I, I believe it was Accrington. Um, it was for the more balance. I just feel with how much ball we're going to have in this sort of game, we can afford to leave the wing backs quite high. Um, they won't be relied on as much defensively. And I just feel having um, Kyoso in there will um, be more of a threat in the box. Yeah, uh, I feel nice and boring. I'm exactly the same as you, Ross. Um, I do think we need a physical presence towards the upper end of the pitch. And I, I think Haram is the, is the guy. Um, even if he gets you know 60, 60 plus minutes again that he did against uh, Pompey and then hooked off for someone like a Waters or a Charlie Brown or, or even an ISA if he's available. Um, I think it makes sense to go with the same team. You know, they played they played really well, basically. And yes, it maybe it took a bit longer than we wanted for certain things to happen, but ultimately we got the result and that's all that matters. And I, I can see Manning sticking with the same team, uh, bar Kyoso over tonight Watson, um, just because there's game script and how it will go. Um, but hey, if Max Waters starts, happy days. Hopefully he gets a hat-trick and brings me level with Ross. Uh, that'd be excellent. Um, finally, gents, score prediction. I've already said 1-1 uh, on Jills and the Blood YouTube channel, which you check out. I make sure you do. 
search on YouTube or I'll put it in the podcast description as a link. Um, you know, it's, it's a very ground for us ultimately. Um, as much as I want us, and I think we can win this game, something about me that says we're going to get a point and that's not a bad point at all. Um, yeah, no point in the road is brilliant and win your games at home, get anything you can away. Um, but yeah, so this tells me we're going to get a point here. So, uh, Joey, you going to be a point yourself or do you reckon we'll get two more? Um, well, with the facts of me not being there, I'm going to go for a win um, because I worked it out the other day and the last away win I actually went to was Notts County in the League Two. Um, since then, we've won at Blackpool. The games we could go to, we've won at Blackpool and Burton. I think that's it. Yeah, Burton. Am I missing any out? Burton in the cup. So out of ones we could actually go to, and I worked out that that was there's twenty one. Uh, no, it's twenty there. I've been to twelve of them, and we've won, and then we've won two of the other eight that I haven't been to. Um, so, so since that Notts County game, so yeah, I think uh, we're keeping in with tradition. I think we're going to edge this one two one. I think we got quite a good sort of glimpse of how the team might look. Um, up against a direct team when we played Burton in the Papa John's. Okay, the personnel was a bit different, um, but I think we saw some nice stuff there. And I hope that we deal with Burton's threat, which, and I think Burton are a better team than Gillingham, I'd like to add. I'd hope we deal with the Gillingham threat as well as we dealt with Burton's threat. And if we do, I think that we'll be fine. I think we might, we might just ship a goal just... You know, like I say, they've got a threat. So, no matter what, no matter what's going on in the game, it only takes an instant, and 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 they can and they can punish you. But yeah, two one, I think. I like it. Say so it'd be absolutely excellent to get three points to Jelly Game. I think you know, that's that's a massive result, really. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to the game either on Saturday. So, apart from Ross, we're a bunch of casuals on this podcast, and uh, yeah, it would be difficult for us to win away from home. The one game two of us don't go to. I hope Ross isn't planning on having a beer because he's going to be the one that's going to be having to explain to all our lovely listeners what that's who went on in the game. <laughs> no, no, just orange juices for me on Saturday. I'll be that's the attitude, book, uh, Ross. Be taking notes on my phone. I'll be sending texts to you boys. Yeah, everything like that. That's what we like to hear, mate. Um, but just for now, all we need to score predictions. So um, what do you reckon? Um, I'm going to go completely against everything what Liam you've said um, I believe Gilliam are unbeaten in 10 at home but obviously they haven't versed Liam Manning's silky whites have they exactly so, um, records are there to be broken ish, exactly um, everything's against us I've gone with a 1-0 um, win away from home I'm on a bit of a roll at the moment because I've got the Pompey score right so uh, As did I. let's hope let, let's hope we get two in a row and um, yeah, let's hope uh, we leave Kent uh, with three points. Yeah, no, I fully respect you two saying we're going to win. I fully hope we do, and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, uh, that brings us to the end of the latest episode of the MQ1 podcast. Uh, thank you all once again for listening. And as always, come on, you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, 
When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.